and we're back welcome to another episode of the redesign podcast it's andrew aka mr kate box and this is the podcast that starts conversations all about technology social media business society and digital culture new episodes every monday really appreciate your comments your feedback the dms all the retweets and all the shares on social media really appreciate it if this is your first time listening welcome to the podcast so yeah if you want to get involved in the conversation at any point we're mostly active on twitter just use the hashtag redesign pod if you want to get involved or chime in in the conversation at any point so yeah this week what's going on uh yeah police are trialing facial recognition in and around london vodafone confirm the date for 5g rollout a new spotify app is on the way and also we're becoming a nation of streamers we're going to be talking tv streaming satellite and cable tv and if more choice is better all this and more coming up after the intro Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Flexing is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. And welcome back to the other side. Don't forget, if you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss another episode. Don't forget, new episodes come out every Monday on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, all the main places where you can listen to podcasts. So, uh, yeah, appreciate your feedback. And, yeah, let's get started with today's show. All right, so a new Spotify app is on the way to support its big bet on podcasts. Spotify are currently testing a new version of its app that gives podcasts more visibility. That's been uh, a known gripe for podcasts. It's been really difficult to find new podcasts, unless you're kind of following people on social media. I kind of mentioned that on the last episode, but yeah, this is news that's just come in. Um, so Spotify are currently working on this update in the hopes that it will make it easier for people to find and listen to podcasts. See, Spotify are a very responsive company. They know exactly what they're doing and they're not trying to miss this bag when it comes to podcasts because it's, it's a known fact that all these streaming companies are losing hella money when it comes to um, paid subscriptions because of the amount of royalties they have to pay out to artists and music societies and the big three major record labels. Now, according to Bloomberg, Spotify's chief financial officer, Barry McCarthy, said there are plenty of podcasts we'd all enjoy if only we knew they existed. There is no search engine, no search interface that understands what podcasts you and I like. We're working hard on that problem. So Spotify's recent interest in podcasting has definitely rattled the music industry and now major record labels are concerned and they are responding. Universal Music Group, the world's largest music company, recently struck a deal with Wondery Inc. to co-produce podcasts. How mad is that? Wow, never thought I'd see the day. So record labels are interested in podcasts and they're going to start co-producing and funding them. 
Oh boy, I never thought I would see the day. That's that's complete madness. Let me know what your thoughts are. Don't forget to chime in on the hashtag redesign pod. Uh, what else we got? So Vodafone have confirmed a date for the rollout of its 5G service in the UK. And that date has been confirmed to be the 3rd of July. So Vodafone's 5G network will launch in seven cities and it is the first to confirm a UK switch on date. And um, it's going to be available to both business customers and retail customers as well. So just the average consumer like me and you will be able to sign up to a 5G contract. So it's going to be rolling out in Birmingham, Bristol, Cardiff, Glasgow, Manchester, Liverpool and London. And by the end of 2019, they plan to include another 12 cities, which will include Blackpool, Bournemouth, Birkenhead, Guildford, Newbury, Portsmouth, Plymouth, Reading, Southampton, Stoke-on-Trent, Warrington and Wolverhampton. Now, according to The Verge, four 5G phones will be available for the network at launch. So the first of them will be the Xiaomi Mi Mix 3 5G. That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? That will go on sale in a few weeks' time. Um, and also the Huawei Mate 20 and the Samsung S10 5G. They're all going to be available to pre-order. Vodafone also says that the Huawei 5G foldable handset, the Huawei Mate X, will be available this summer. And that will be a 5G phone also. And they're also rolling out a 5G home router called the 5G Gigacube. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, 4G is plenty fast enough. It's a bit mad. I mean, technology's got to move on. It's great. I'm not going to lie to you. I saw the um, speed test for one of the 5G phones. It is, it is amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. It is amazingly, stupidly fast. But what are we going to use it for? What are we going to use it for? Let's jump to a quick snippet from Vodafone. And uh, don't forget to chime in. Let me know what your thoughts are on 5G. Are you excited about using 5G? Does it matter to you? Are you happy with 4G? I don't know. Let me know what your thoughts are. Very exciting day today. Vodafone are the first network operator to switch on 5G services in Birmingham. This is the first station anywhere in the country to have this 5G technology, and we've seen how much better it will be for consumers to use. 5G will impact all of our lives. Through quicker speeds and uber low latency, commuters will be able to download their favourite box sets and their favourite movies really quickly, up to four times faster than 4G, whilst on the go. And I think this will be a real kickstart for our digital economy. We know that just the reliability of the service is really, really important. And just the businesses, if you all think we're going to set up, why not come and set up where that cluster of 5G innovation is most intense? With Vodafone 5G, I find that the downloads and the access are much faster, so it helps me to keep in contact on the move. Here at Vodafone, we're really close to launch, and we're committed to launching 5G services across 19 towns and cities in 2019, including Birmingham and Wolverhampton. I think it cements what we always say, we're on the cutting edge of change. It's so important that technology is really what drives our economy, how we all relate to one another. So it is just brilliant that Vodafone have chosen us to be first. Hold up, wait a minute. Who said anyone wanted to download box sets while waiting for a train to Liverpool Street? This is the problem I have here. Yeah? It's this illusion of choice that they keep selling us. Don't get me wrong, I love technology. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing a podcast related to technology and digital culture. I love technology, but when it kind of makes sense, when it actually adds value to our lives, do you know what I mean? When it actually makes life easier and when it makes things more convenient. 
um, at a reasonable cost. But like, why am I going to be downloading box sets while I'm commuting? I, I don't understand. I mean, who does that? I mean, is it really going to be worth the extra money in terms of like the handset cost and a new 5G contract? I don't know. I mean, the government are talking about concerns of spying from the Chinese government as they're actually going to be relying on their equipment to provide the service. But nobody's talking about the health risks. Nobody's talking about the health risks of 5G. It's quite shocking. In. <laughs> is that even a word? Well, it is now. Um, moving on. Police are trialing facial recognition in and around London to uh, collect intelligence on potential criminals. And like, listen, mate, we're becoming this this nanny state. Like, are we really walking around free? Are we really free? That's the thing. Redesigned. For the last year, Jeff White has been following the UK police's deployment of facial recognition. The front line in facial recognition. Police cameras in an East London street, everyone gets scanned. If you refuse, here's what can happen. This man didn't want to be caught by the police cameras, so he covered his face. Police stopped him, they photographed him anyway, an argument followed. What's your suspicion? The, the fact that he walked past clearly I would do the same. I would do the same. No, it doesn't. The police said this was disorderly behaviour, so they gave him a fine. The chap told me down the road, he said he got facial recognition. So I walked past like that. It's a cold day as well. I've done that, the police officers asked me to come to him, so I've got me back up. I said to him, off, basically. I said, I don't want my face shown on, on, on anything. If I'm going to cover my face, I'll cover my face. It's not for them to tell me not to cover my face. Mm. I've got a now £90 fine. There you go, look at that. Thanks, lads, £90. Well done. He was caught up in the last of ten trials carried out by the Metropolitan Police. The Met have had successes, there were three arrests from facial recognition on this test day alone, but the trials have proved controversial. Opponents claim they're taking place in a legal vacuum. There is nothing in UK law that has the words facial recognition. There is no legal basis for the police to be using facial recognition. There are no legal limitations on how they can use it, no policy, no regulation. This is a free-for-all. It kind of points to, there's a film called the minority report where they can kind of like get you before you even commit a crime so they predict that you're going to commit a crime then they come and get you it's a bit mad i don't know but anyway everything's just getting so serious now oh boy anyway chime in on the hashtag redesign pod let me know what your thoughts are on this whole facial recognition thing like what do you think of it what do you think of the guy that got fined 90 pounds for covering up his face as he walked past the police van do you think that he was just in doing that you know, do you think he was overreacting or, do you know, how do you feel about it? It's all peak out here. Technology is moving a little bit mad. Don't get me wrong. It's giving us some really, it's really giving us some really life changing devices that make our lives easier. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's provided a lot in terms of entertainment, in terms of like creating new cultures. It's great. However, I'm not too sure about this one, you know, I'm not too sure about this one. 
All right, so that's it in terms of news for this week. So let's get into this week's main feature. The rise of the internet has resulted in a lot of cable companies losing customers. And now this is to a new breed of customer that are currently being referred to as cord cutters. Growing up, Sky TV or cable was pretty much a necessity. But nowadays, we stream so much. You watch so many things on YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Prime. We watch a lot of content on social media. We're not really watching as much broadcast. In fact, we're not watching nearly as much broadcast TV as we used to. And now the question is, with all these new streaming services popping up, yeah, it's giving us a lot more choice. But does that choice actually make our lives better? Does it actually enhance our lives? Does it actually enhance our experience when it comes to entertainment? Or does it just cause more confusion? Does it just bog us down with the decision of what to watch? Because I can remember TV being very, very lit when I was a kid. So yeah, let's take a little trip down memory lane. Now, in the beginning, life was very simple. I'm an 80s baby and... One of the most fascinating things about being born in that era is that you're old enough, you're kind of old enough to remember a time where we had a lot less in terms of choice, but also young enough to understand the present technology and how to take advantage of it. You know, downloading, we went from sort of watching Sky and cable TV to downloading films off of BitTorrent, not me personally, not me personally. Um, But, you know, just having that availability, that instant availability of films that you couldn't necessarily buy in hmv or your local dvd shop or whatever we live in an era where we've seen both sides where you had to kind of like wait for a film to be available on sky movies or whatever you wait for it to come out in the cinema you wait for it to come out on vhs or dvd see it's really showing my age there and yeah um but we'll get back to the 80s and why the 80s was really important but for now let's take a trip down memory lane for a sec when life was proper simple, way before we even had four terrestrial channels. So in 1936, the British Broadcasting Corporation, also known to everyone now as the BBC, launched its very first TV service called, wait for it, the BBC Television Service. cannot in this short film show you examples of all the different types of programme which we broadcast. They're astonishingly varied, but here's an impression of some of them, beginning with picture page, in its original 1937 form. They showed a mix of news, orchestra, um, variety pieces and documentary stuff. But on uh, September 1939, September 1st to be precise, just a couple of days before Britain declared war on Germany, the BBC television service, which we now know as BBC One, was abruptly taken off air as the UK government were worried that the TV signals would actually act as a beacon to enemy aircraft homing in on the capital. Also, a lot of the BBC's technical staff and their engineers were kind of like drafted in for war effort. So no telly for another seven years. But um, BBC One or BBC Television returned on 7th of June 1946 
And then in 1955, a second TV channel was launched. And no, we're not talking about BBC Two. We're talking about ITV. I bet you didn't know that. BBC Two was not the second channel. It was actually ITV. But um, it wasn't until 1964 that BBC Two was launched and the first television station in Europe to offer continuous colour broadcasts. Fast forward to November of 1982. Channel 4 was born and not long after that, that's when I was born. So here's a fun fact for you. Thriller, the sixth studio album by Michael Jackson was released that same month. So November 30th, 1982. Fun fact. And if you're old enough to remember the short film slash music video for Thriller, you'll know that Michael Jackson really set pace and kind of like changed the game in terms of music videos, making music TV more popular. So at this time, we kind of relied on just four channels for everything. So music, like on top of the pops, uh, news, films, sports, children and family entertainment and stuff like that. TV was lit back then. Let me ask you a question though. Would you agree that we appreciated more of the stuff that we watched back then compared to now? Now, hold that thought, yeah? Hold that thought. We gonna take you back in the... It's time to go back. Let's go. Way back. Back into time. Brian's right. It's an elf. What? Welcome to Blind Date, the show in which we try and make a perfect match. Now the world don't move. When I wake up in the morning and the long gets out of Now, it doesn't end there. We didn't have that 24-7 culture that we now have. And it wasn't until 1986 that um, BBC One started to broadcast on a full daytime schedule. So these TV stations used to like lock off like about like 12 midnight or about 11 p.m. So when it was time to go to bed, it was time to go to bed. You had no options. Once TV was done, it was done. Well, with the time rapidly approaching 12 minutes past midnight, that's where we come to the end of Wednesday evening's programmes here on BBC One. If you'd like a little more company, on Radio One right now you'll find whispering Bob Harris. And if you turn to Radio Two, Peter Clayton presents Jazz Parade. But from all of us here at BBC One Television in London, on behalf of all of my colleagues, this is Andy Taylor wishing you a very good night. Good night. So. Back to what I was saying about the 80s. The 80s was a very, very special decade because this was the same decade that we saw, in terms of technology, we saw everything that the first iteration of a lot of things came out back then. So we saw, we're talking PCs, uh, CDs, Walkmans, uh, video recorders, so VCRs, as they call them in the States, or they used to call them, camcorders, home video game consoles, mobile phones, and most importantly, for this discussion we're having right now, cable and satellite TV. February 5th, 1989, the dawn of television's new age. And the most dramatic innovation in broadcasting since the launch of commercial television in Britain more than three decades ago. This is a television revolution. A revolution in quality entertainment. A revolution in choice. Now, in one stroke, Sky Television more than doubles the programs on offer to you. And it's quality all the way. 
Sky Television lifts off with four new channels. And there are two more still to come. Speaking of which, in 1989, Sky launched in the UK. Sky TV launched in the UK, giving us another four channels. Whoa, we actually had eight channels. My God, that's a lot of choice, isn't it? Um, so Sky Channel, which we now know as Sky One, Sky Movies, Eurosport and Sky News. So those four channels were launched on the new platform that we know today as Sky. Yeah. So shortly after that, we were introduced to even more channels, including MTV, the children's channel and many more. These channels created a significant cultural shift, I would say. Um, cable and satellite TV rose to prominence in the early 90s. So by 1993, we started to see even more choice with channels such as Nickelodeon, Discovery and MTV. So by now, Sky had 15 channels, expanding to over 40 channels by 2001. And this didn't even include like the free-to-air channels, like, you know, the BBC One, BBC Two, etc., ITV. Um, and it didn't include the other international networks such as CNN, Screen Sport, Eurosport, such as CNN, Screen Sport, etc. So before streaming had... So, so before streaming actually became a thing, we already had access to channels well in the hundreds. Yeah, here's the problem with all this choice that we we're now starting to get used to because of Sky TV and cable TV. Packages were getting mad expensive, yeah? There were too many ads. And this is the most grating thing, the most jarring thing of all when it comes to like satellite or paid TV. Too many reruns, too many plus ones, too many repeats like you're seeing the same stuff over and over and over again yeah so by the mid 2000s this is kind of like the start of the streaming revolution so as faster broadband and internet became available the technical infrastructure was already there to actually make it a possibility so this was when like we had the birth of youtube back in 2005 um so when you think about it, youtube is not hasn't actually been around for that long like it's only 2005 you know so that changed the game so according to Ofcom three things there are now more UK subscriptions to Netflix Amazon and now TV than there are to traditional pay TV services broadcast TV remains popular but viewing among 16 to 34 year olds is moving online and then this is an interesting story how like net, I'm just going to give you the radio edit the story so this guy who runs Netflix, Reed Hastings, before he started the company, he went to Blockbuster Video to rent a, um, a video of Apollo 13. And he forgot to return it on time. So he got a late fee. It was like $40. So he was pissed. So he said, why not come up with a, a company that doesn't do late fees? And that's like, rather than going to the shop to go and get the DVD or the video or whatever, why don't we send them out to customers so they don't have to leave their house? So you can see why a lot of people caught onto it is that convenience, you know, that convenience of having the DVDs or the videos that you want to rent come to you rather than having to leave your house and, and having to remember to bring it back on time. So that's how like Netflix actually started. So they had a mail service, didn't start off on the internet. They were actually sending out DVDs to customers. So they had a website where you could choose what films you wanted and they would send it to you and then you would mail it back. So that's how Netflix began. 
Um, so Netflix is one of the pioneers of video streaming and on-demand content. So other companies like Sky, they kind of followed suit. They don't want to get left out. They don't want to make the same mistake that Blockbuster Video made because they had the market in their hands, but they they came to the party too late. A lot of people think that Blockbuster weren't actually interested in doing video streaming. They actually were, but they were just too late to the party. And also they had an opportunity to team up with Netflix. Netflix invited them to become a partner. They wanted them to be a partner, a strategic partner, and work out how they're going to like take over the world with this whole streaming thing. But <laughs> apparently Blockbuster Video laughed them out of the boardroom and the rest is history. Like, there's no more Blockbuster today. Like also another thing like i was thinking the other day blu-ray blu-ray is one of the most shortest lived technologies um not that people don't buy blu-rays anymore but i never imagined that people would actually prefer to stream than actually have um blu-rays you remember when like your dvd collection or your cd collection was an actual real thing something to actually show off and be proud of nah nowadays the concept of actually owning dvds owning videos or whatever is obsolete same with music the idea of owning cds or records is obsolete what we do now we rent them we rent all our content so fast forward to today we now have over 70 free to air channels so that's just on freeview here in the uk and on satellite and cable or whichever like there's over 370 channels we don't need to set our video recorders or whatever um you remember the tv guide you remember the, t the tv guide teletext them things there where you had to like find out what time certain program was and on what channel and you would wait for it and you would set a reminder on your if you was if you was smart if you was technically gifted and you knew about them things um there's a thing called video plus as well that you just type in the code from the TV guide and it would, like, your video recorder would record whatever channel. Even more complex if you had Sky. But yeah, anyway, we, we digress. We digress. I'm going down a, a, a different path here. But yeah, um, we've just got so much choice. You've got Amazon, you've got Netflix, you've got Hulu, you've, you've got Apple TV, you've got, you've got iPlayer, you've got sky on demand you've got you've just got so many different services and we ain't even talked about like services like youtube and youtube tv so youtube tv is not out here in the uk yet but it's another streaming service that's been released in some states in the us where you've got paid content uh youtube originals that's another thing original content is one of the ways that uh netflix keep you locked in and you know paying for the subscription apart from licensed content which is you know content from other like third party film studios and the thing is netflix has actually got very good original content so they're so they're winning but there's so much competition coming i don't even know how we're going to deal with it all so you've got apple tv plus coming up um disney plus is um yet to release their new service had some information about it the other week it's going to be like seven dollars a month so whether or not it'd be seven pounds a month i don't know how they're going to charge us it might be more it might be the same um the big question is do we really need all these streaming services have you ever sat down to watch netflix with your partner or your friends or whatever and you're like what do you want to watch i don't know what do you want to watch i don't know what should we watch and then you're you're scrolling through all the different films and you're like nah 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 should we watch this one you, you look at the trailer and you're like nah 
and then you go and watch another one you you're like nah and then you actually go and watch something then the first three minutes if it doesn't grab you like ah oh, this is a bit dead isn't it oh let's watch something else you see we've got too much damn choice we've got too much damn choice and with all these new streaming services popping up we're pay- <laughs> we're paying more and more in terms of subscription fees and is oh, i don't even know it's just too much it is just too much and the thing is from a psychological standpoint there's a book called the paradox of choice by a guy called barry shorts i'm going to read to you a quick quote and this is what he said the existence of multiple alternatives makes it easy for us to imagine alternatives that don't exist alternatives that combine the attractive features of the ones that do exist and to the extent that we engage our imaginations in this way we will be even less satisfied with the alternative we end up choosing so once again a greater variety of choices actually makes us feel worse so the answer to this in my point of view is minimalism because i think about all this like think about it imagine every film known to man available at your fingertips so for example on apple tv if you look at the movie section where you actually like you can just pay for the films it's not it's not the streaming service you can actually just pay for the films you can buy any like pretty much any film from any of the major film studios like paramount fox um universal whatever you can find it on there yeah so between that netflix amazon prime you can pretty much find everything online as long as you've got a tv with your streaming box or whatever or smart tv you can do that but the problem is you've got too much choice too many options yeah it's like when you look at you go to a restaurant and you look at the menu and you've not been there before you're seeing all these options you don't know you'd never know what to eat and then when you do order you might think oh maybe i should have ordered something else same thing i was having this discussion with my wife the other day you go to like you go to tesco and there's like 17 different brands of peanut butter yeah and you go to somewhere like Lidl, where there might be two or one do you get what i'm saying to you so it's a lot easier to make a decision and it's just quick and you're not like you actually feel crappy like <laughs> thinking hold on wait there's a million and one things to choose from which one do i choose by the time you've chosen you don't even feel that great about your decision you you're already halfway into watching the film before you even reach halfway of watching the film you're thinking should i should i watch this instead same with music and i find that with music streaming as well since like we moved away from cds and stuff like that cds and radio to like more streaming and podcasts i find i hardly listen to music anymore because it's like there's it just doesn't appeal to me anymore because that that choice is so it just makes everything feel so throwaway i don't know let me know what you think am i the only one that kind of feels that way um but streaming isn't going away it's not going away we're not going to go back streaming is definitely here to stay um a lot of people are becoming cord cutters as i mentioned before so people are abandoning subscription tv in favor of things like netflix and amazon or whatever i think at the moment amazon and netflix are probably the best deals because if you've got amazon prime as a byproduct you just get amazon prime video anyway so you get your obviously your fast delivery and stuff like that next day delivery it makes sense you know but you've got the apple tv plus coming up they're coming out with original content that's their unique selling point that's what they're saying but the thing is like what 
is Apple TV possibly going to offer that we can't get elsewhere? I don't, I don't really see it. It's just too many apps. Like it's getting too messy. It's like, at least when it comes to music, right? Three streaming services pop up in my head. When you say music streaming, three of them pop pop up in my head. I think Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. Yeah, it's easy. I know if I just stick with one, I'm going to find pretty much everything I want. There's no drama. But with TV now, there's like by the by next year we're going to be having a conversation where it's like you've got BritBox, you've got Apple TV Plus, you've got Netflix, you've got Disney Plus, you've got Hulu, you've got and then on top of that, you some of you may have Sky because obviously with the sports, no one's kind of nailed it where you can watch live sports. So a lot of people are still going to have Sky in addition to all these other streaming services. So then you have to ask yourself, what's the point of leaving something like Sky when when you add everything up? By the time you've paid for three or four different streaming services, it's the same as your Sky bill anyway, your cable bill anyway. Like, what's the point? I don't know. I don't know. I just think that this whole streaming thing is just giving us decision paralysis. More choice isn't necessarily better for us. I That's my personal opinion. And it's all part of digital culture now. We've got too much choices available so easily and we're just growing less and less satisfied with things and our expectations are going up and up and up and up. Like we're just becoming a culture of people who just want more and more and more and more. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. So much of today's Western culture is based on the belief that, um, you know, freedom of choice is great. You know, by making our own decisions in line with our own preferences, we expect that, you know, more choice is happiness. You know, it's better for you. Um, And this is definitely supported by the economic market, which has kind of adapted. Like everything is about more choice. If you look at the supermarkets such as Waitrose, Tesco, everything is all about choice. Like, Like 30 different types of jam, like, you know... <laughs> 60 different types of salad dressing it's a madness like and they're just trying to cater to every possible consumer preference and this is the same thing happening with like tv and streaming like but oh, i don't know it does my head in it's just too much how does it affect the family broadcast tv viewing is going down the amount of time spent watching tv on the actual tv set has continued to decline and uh, another stat according to ofcom in 2017 it stood at an average of just three hours 23 minutes a day Um, and that's gone down by nine minutes since 2016 and it's gone down 38 minutes since 2012 so we're watching way less tv um especially kids as well they're they're just watching stuff on the ipads on on their phones what's that doing to the family like we're not watching the same screen anymore we're all watching we're sitting together but we're all watching our own screens how do you feel about that chime in on the hashtag redesign pod um yeah it's getting it's just getting very messy we're drowning in content and the thing is yeah back in the day i remember like just sitting with the family watching catchphrase or watching blind date like even like back in 2001 like before twitter before social media and all of that stuff like when big brother was popping like that was lit you know like tv was actually lit you didn't have to worry about like 
you were more compartmentalized like tv time was tv time but now it's like because it's on your phone your tablet your laptop your tv it's like your your screen time is mad like you're always there's always something fighting for your attention some piece of content you know and that's why i think this whole streaming thing i don't know if if only they could just limit it to just like why don't they just all merge and just offer one service and that that'll be it that'll be it like don't want to be paying like five different streaming providers anyways it's inter it's interesting times anyway we're living in a time of excess and abundance that is part of digital culture i guess it's just that everything is just going to become throwaway like it did with music yeah and the thing is yeah because of this here's a prediction because of this don't think that for one second that netflix subscription fee ain't gonna double by 2022 with business supply and demand once everyone starts using it once everyone sees streaming as the norm listen these streaming fees are gonna they're gonna like they're gonna mount up gonna be you'll be paying like 150 pound a month just to watch like content on tv yeah let me know what you guys think let me know your thoughts on the hashtag redesign pod don't forget if you want to send me an email drop us a line at redesignpod at mail.com uh chime in on the hashtag redesign pod and don't forget uh, to subscribe if you did like the podcast so you don't miss another episode new episodes come out every monday and yeah don't forget you can follow me on the socials at andrew underscore cbx on instagram and twitter uh yeah that is it for this week we'll be back next week for more fun and games take care and bye for now we, 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 we designed. We designed.